0: On BYU Sports Nation, a year end headline to sum up the
1: 2019 BYU football season. Did the Cougars improve? And a week later, what are our big takeaways from BYU's loss to Hawaii in the Hawaii Bowl?
0: Plus, BYU basketball passes the oral exam to close out non conference play. How does it shape your expectations for West Coast conference play? Let's go! This is
1: BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by The BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Now, from Studio B, your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jason
0: Shepard. How's it? BYU Sports Nation is live back from Hawaii now. As in me, Jason, good to see you, my friend. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere, Monday, December 30th. Wherever and however you're connected, it is great to have you with us. I am
1: Spencer Linton, teamed up with
0: a spy in disguise, <laughs> Jason Shepard.
1: So uh, we have both seen the movie yes. "Spies in Disguise." Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. My eight-year-old son—that's all he wanted to see. So we find, we took our two littlest kids mm-hmm. uh, to see that mm-hmm. uh, last week. Uh, uh, look, look—it's kids' movie, but I, here's my question: What is the pitch to Will Smith? I mean, you're talking about one of the biggest stars on the planet mm-hmm. and the pitch to him. And I'm not spoiling anything because this is all in the trailers. All right, here's the deal. Will, we want you in this movie, <laughs> but you're going to spend the majority of it as a pigeon. <laughs> here's your script, your thoughts. And he says, yes, look, it was not great. My, my kids loved it. They thought it was hilarious. Yes. It's Lot, an animated feature, lots po- Jason. Lots of potty humor. So, so that was funny. Uh but yeah, uh It's an animated feature. So of course, <laughs> Big Willie style was all in on becoming a pigeon. And you have you have Spider-Man himself, Tom Holland in it. I mean, like the star power was legit. But I'm trying to figure out why Will Smith said yes to this <laughs> about being a pigeon for the majority of it. How many times has Will Smith been asked to be in an animated feature? This is his second one since uh, Shark Tale, which I never saw. Okay. So a movie about sharks? Apparently he likes the animated animal ones. Mm-hmm. That's what he'll say yes to. If it's an animated animal movie, he's like, I'm in. That's what most are. I'm just seeing
0: Madagascar, all seven <laughs> versions of that, whatever uh, they've made in that.
1: Look, far be it from me to criticize anything that uh, the man Will Smith does, but <laughs> that movie was, look... <laughs> Look, I'm glad we had gift cards. Yeah, you know what we need okay? to do
0: later in the summer? Summer topic. <laughs> greatest Will Smith movie. Okay? Ooh. We need to
1: have that conversation. Great. It's Independence Day.
0: Oh, Jason, you, it's, you, you say that so quickly, but I think that there are people that share some very different, strong okay. opinions. All
1: right. Okay? Greatest Will Smith movie. Okay. Ben Bagley, mark it down. Summer topic. <laughs> also, the greatest, Bill Pullman. I believe that is his name. He played the president? <laughs> yes. And Brent Spiner. Because all the Star Wars movies he was in were not good. While you were sleeping. Or Star Trek. Excuse me. Oh, my goodness. I just messed up Star Trek and Star Wars. (laughs) Trekkies are going to hate me. I am going to hear it on my mentions today. Oh, Jason. Holy cow. I do know the difference because I'm a Star Wars guy. So take that, Star Trek people.
0: A loaded show lineup today. No movies discussed with Trevor (laughs) Maddich, though maybe we will do that at some point. Does ESPN's college football insider and analyst think that BYU football improved despite winding up with the same 7-6 and record the Cougars had in 2018? TJ Haas of BYU men's basketball. Apparently dunking every game is a thing now, so uh, <laughs> why not have him in studio to talk about that? I know the feeling. That. BYU goes 11-4 and in non-conference. Impressive. They hold off against Oral Roberts. Hey, uh, the Cougars doing some really nice things. And... The top BYU sports story of 2019 because we are winding things down as we get ready for a new year. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. If you missed it, some personnel notes for BYU football, beginning with BYU tight end Matt Bushman, who announces he will stay and play his senior season with the Cougars. BYU's leading receiver for three straight seasons is back, and I think he's probably going to make it four. His teammate and graduate transfer Tyson Williams has officially announced that he will forego a potential six-season via medical waiver and declare for the NFL draft. In four games, Williams accrued 264 yards on the ground, three touchdowns, including 92 yards and two touchdowns in his old SEC stomping grounds, part of a BYU win at Tennessee. He had 99 yards against USC, Also of note, BYU kicker Skyler Southam announces that he is entering the transfer portal.
1: Lots of uh, personnel news and notes for sure. Big day for Cougars in the National Football League. Fred Warner had three tackles for the Niners. Ziggy Ansah had two tackles for the Seahawks in a 26-21 San Francisco win over Seattle. Because of that outcome, the 49ers clinched the number one seed in the NFC. The Seahawks dropped to the fifth seed. Taysom Hill had quite the day. Had two carries for four yards and a 45-yard touchdown reception in a 42-10 blowout win over the Carolina Panthers. With that 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 victory, the Saints earned the number three seed in the NFC. Over to the AFC. Kyle Van Oy had six tackles for the Patriots in a 27-24 loss to the Dolphins. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Miami. Mm -hmm. New England earns the three seed in the AFC playoffs. Daniel Sorensen had five tackles and a pass deflection for my Kansas City Chiefs. And an interception. Yes, and an interception, while Michael Davis had two tackles and an INT for LA as the Chiefs beat the Chargers 31-21 and wrapped up the number 2 seed in the AFC. Also of note, Sione Taki-Taki had a tackle in a 33-23 Browns loss to the Bengals. Neither of those teams are going to the postseason.
0: My 2-14 and 14 Bengals
1: finishing things with a big win. But you've got your quarterback on. on he, he's coming. Coming. He's Joe finally coming.
0: Burrow, come on down to the Bengals. I can't believe you didn't lead with the Chiefs by
1: the way. Look, I went in the order that uh, that they had them in okay. and I was not going to put my own personal interest in there because you never add your bias into this. I said my Chiefs. Thank you Miami. <laughs> Thank you so much. BYU men's basketball holds off
0: Oral Roberts on Saturday night 79-73, close game. Jake Toulson hit some huge shots down the stretch. His buddy Yoli Childs, doing his usual thing, passed up Mark Bigelow to enter the top ten all-time scoring list at BYU. Yoli Childs had 23 on 10 of 14 shooting, seven rebounds.
1: It's nice to have him in the lineup. Yes, it is. And our fourth headline begins with our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Jeff Judkins is the winningest basketball coach, and that's men's or women's, in BYU history, currently with 399 wins. Okay. Now, win number 399 came on Saturday at LMU, and Coach Judkins can pick up historic win number 400 today when the Cougars face Pepperdine in Malibu, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. You can watch it on the WCC Network. Let's go. Bring the fire at Firestone
0: Fieldhouse. Get number 400. Start off conference play at 2-0. Wow, oh, Juddy. Uh, Great and if coach. You, if you haven't experienced Jeff Judkins in Hawaii, I would recommend that to everyone. He, he is a huge personality, a very unique personality. Now add Hawaii to that. Juddy in a Hawaiian shirt? I'm telling you, Jason. Juddy buddy <laughs> at a totally nother, a totally other level. Yes. Nice. Yes, a relaxed Juddy. Pretty fun. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending.
1: You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. So maybe
0: you heard on Christmas Eve, BYU football lost a heartbreaker to the University of Hawaii and finished the season at 7-6. The Cougars give up a touchdown with under two minutes to play to QB Cole McDonald had a farm and the Rainbow (laughs) Warriors and leave the islands scratching their collective heads. Jason, one week later, what are your thoughts on BYU's loss to Hawaii in the Hawaii Bowl?
1: Well, unfortunately, it's still a loss one week later. I thought maybe that would change with time. Uh, It has not. It's still BYU's sixth loss of the season. Look, the way I look at it, if you look at that game, it really was a microcosm of the season for BYU. Inconsistent play in that game, BYU found itself down 14. And look, and, and I've got to give them, you've got to give them all the credit in the world. Down 14 and Hawaii's offense scoring as easily as they did, like, BYU could have been defeated. And they, and they weren't. They made the adjustments on both sides of the football. And, and they really played well. And it wasn't until the very last drive, and BYU had taken control of that game. But but again, it goes back to the inconsistency, which we'd seen all season. It, they, they looked good at times, confused at others, and then turnovers this year. There were turnovers in that game. There was a fumble at the goal line, and you're still not going to be able to convince me that was not a touchdown. I understand that there was uh, there was not a goal line camera, but in my... It was my, a call on the field it was, that determined yes, everything. Yes, ab- absolutely. Like, you're not going to be able to convince me that the ball... Was, was not past the defender when when Zach lost control of it and the defender was in the end zone. That is a touchdown in my mind. You can Say I'm biased, that's fine. That was a touchdown. BYU got hosed on that one, in my opinion. Look, I, I think the third and two call, for me personally, BYU at that point had been running the ball extremely well. Tyler Algier had, had really been picking up chunks. I, I would have run the ball on third and two, but that's just me. So, I mean, that's... The, the, even with the late td by hawaii when they had regained the lead i was still convinced byu was going to win that game because the cougars were moving the ball down quite honestly with ease so i actually felt really good about byu's chances but but again it's just a microcosm of the season you play well at times you struggle you have you have the losses that that you kind of scratch your head about with 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 uh South Florida and Toledo. And now Hawaii, too. And now now Hawaii and and San Diego State, where you only score three points. I I just thought it was a microcosm of the season in one game. Oh, frustration for sure. It's still as
0: frustrating today as it was uh, in the moment watching that happen to BYU. And the thing is, I know that a lot of attention is still going to go to the third and two call and to the no touchdown on the goal line. Jason, BYU never should have been in those scenarios. They never should have been in a situation where the Cougars needed to get a first down with two minutes left to secure the game. BYU had ample opportunity to make that game not close in the second half when the defense figured things out and Hawaii started to sputter. BYU pitched a shutout for 28-plus minutes of the second half after surrendering 31 and 330 Plus passing yards to Cole McDonald in one half. BYU's defense figured it out. Yep. The offense could not take advantage. BYU never should have been in that situation. So again, third and two. Yeah, you can. You know,
1: they they your, overcame that when they were driving, and that's why I thought they were going to score.
0: Do your couch coaching, and it's it's tough. But if BYU doesn't turn the ball over in the first half, that was the difference. That's what gave Hawaii a twenty-one to seven lead. Zach Wilson throws another late interception the fumble at the goal line. Like, if BYU secures the ball there, then things are different. We're not talking about, oh, man, it came down to the one play and the officials, hey, they went after BYU. It was unfair. It was rigged. No. BYU had ample opportunity well before that third and two call, and they just take care of the ball.
1: Yep. Seven and six, BYU football wrapping up the season, which brings us to topic number two. With today being our last show of 2019. It's time for us to get reflective on what transpired for BYU football this year. So Spencer, we're going we're going to go uh, we're gonna get a little newspaper headline here for you. What is the headline for the 2019 BYU football season? I had some buddies ask me a similar type question a
0: few days ago and my initial gut response was missed opportunity, but I'm actually going to change it to this. Jason My headline for the 2019 BYU football season is what if, what if, what if Tyson Williams doesn't get hurt against Washington? What then would have transpired for BYU? What if Zach Wilson doesn't break his thumb against Toledo? What happens to BYU football there? He's not dealing with that injury for seven weeks. What if BYU doesn't lose to Toledo and USF? How are things different moving forward? This whole season, to me, comes down to that question. What if? And you know what? Frankly, I'm asking myself that question too much about BYU football over the last decade, especially with injuries to quarterbacks. BYU's not just having good players get injured. They're having their most important players get injured on an annual basis. BYU played, again, three quarterbacks this season. How many running backs did BYU play this year? Six? All of them. Good grief. It's not just guys. It's the most important guys. So what if, Jason, what if Tyson Williams doesn't get injured? BYU wins nine, maybe ten games this season. I agree. And I know maybe it's like, well, BYU had to rally and they wouldn't have beaten Boise State. You know what? If Tyson Williams is playing, BYU beats Toledo. They beat USF. And the Cougars are singing a different tune. And just maybe they beat Boise State because they're riding a super high momentum wave. I don't know. What if Zach Wilson doesn't get injured? Well, then we don't know really what Baylor Romney has to offer. So maybe you could swing that in the other direction. And now there's a quarterback controversy potentially. BYU had an opportunity to win nine or ten games, and they missed it. They missed it. So what if?
1: All right, my headline, and I'm going to quote one of the greatest human beings to ever walk the face of the earth, Mr. Miyagi. Okay. (laughs) To quote Mr. Miyagi, which I do often, different but same. Uh, While the wins and the losses were different than we expected, the end result was a similar season. And it's not just because of the back-to-back years of seven and six. Certainly, there is that similarity. Although that's a part of it, the same storylines we talked about last year were prevalent this season again. We talked about injuries, and you just talked about that. Injuries once again playing a massive role in how the season was shaped for BYU. Losing to teams that you shouldn't lose to, specifically Toledo and South Florida. and Losing to Utah again. That's nine in a row now that BYU's lost to Utah. So you have very similar storylines, and obviously every year has its own identity, but this season had many of the same characteristics that we saw last season. So for my headline... Again, to quote Mr. Miyagi, "Different but same." Did the Cougars improve? We'll ask ESPN's Trevor Maddich. Despite the same record, if BYU football improved from last season, y- you know what? This is something that's important, and I think it's only appropriate that I'm on the show for this Uh-oh. because of how I feel. Where are we going? With Do you this? know what we now, with the football season officially done? Oh, no. Do you know what we can look forward to? Oh no! Hit it, doll. Oh, countdown to the youths. 250
0: days. 250 250 days.
1: days. I was afraid we were going to mess that up. That's a weird. 250 is a weird one to say. 250. 250. You know what? That deserves a couple of voice cracks, Jason. Oh, boy. 250 250 days. 50 days of Already looking ahead to (laughs) 2020. Can
0: we just focus on the now? Like on the goodness of BYU basketball for that matter, Jason? There we go. Conference play starting. To topic three. 11-4 11-4 and four for BYU basketball and non-conference play, including a win at Houston that you witnessed with your own eyes and called yes. live yes. on BYU radio. It was awesome. BYU beats UCLA and Virginia Tech in Hawaii at the Lahaina Civic Center, which I can now testify is as small as it looks on TV, if not smaller. Is it as hot as they say inside? They actually worked out the fans, oh, so it's, it's not as hot as it used to be. BYU also beat a very good Utah State team on a neutral court. The Cougars' numbers look fantastic. They are mid-30s in the net rankings, 38 in Ken Palm, 28 in ESPN's Basketball Power Index. I could go on, but the point is BYU is in a great position for an at-large NCAA tournament resume. Jason, with an 11-4 and non-conference record, How does that shape your expectations for BYU moving into the West Coast Conference? It
1: makes me more excited to see what this team can do in WCC play. Four losses in non-conference with that schedule is fantastic. And there were some that thought BYU would have more than four losses before Yoli even came back. So to be able to have that as... Your total in non-conference is really impressive. And, yes, some of, like we talked about with BYU football, some of BYU's wins and losses were maybe different than what we expected, but this team did a masterful job of handling the schedule and putting itself in a great position to head into WCC play, feeling really confident.
0: Yeah, listen, BYU could have beaten Boise State and Utah, but what if they had beaten those teams in exchange for losses to Houston and Virginia Tech? Would you feel better about that? No. Nobody looking at the grand scheme of things would say, yeah, I'll take wins over Utah and Boise State over Virginia Tech and Houston because of what it does to the resume. BYU lost those games in true road format, and Boise and Utah both are hovering right around that 100 mark. Those are quad two road losses. They're not going to get burned for those. BYU gains more by winning some of those big games than they would have by beating teams that they, quote-unquote, should have beaten. So, yes – there is some frustration there for losing at Boise and at Utah when you're in position. Even losing at home against San Diego State, who is still undefeated, by right. the way. But BYU's done some really good work, and primarily without Yoli Childs. How about that? How about BYU picking up some big wins without Yoli in the lineup? And this, with him back now, shapes my expectations that BYU will go at least 12-4 and in West Coast Conference play, Jason. This team... Just finds a way to win close games. It would. They're they're in a lot of games. Okay, the Oral Roberts game reminded me of kind of the Southern Utah game where not everything was going right. BYU found a way. The Cougars found a way against Houston. BYU found a way against Utah State. They're tough. These are tough-minded kids. They're senior-heavy. 12-4 12-4 and four in West Coast Conference play. And I said before the season that BYU would win 23 games in the regular season. I think they're right on pace to do
1: that. You know, I, may need, I probably should put on the blue goggles for, for this take uh, because I'm sure that's what people will, will think anyway. So I've got, I've got the, the blue goggles firmly on right now. I actually kind of like the win over Oral Roberts to be the, the game that BYU played right before going into conference okay. because, okay. number one, you get the win but you were challenged a little bit, a little bit of a shock to the system. So you're not going in off this game that was a blowout. And, and maybe then, maybe you start conference play with a little bit of, you know, maybe that, maybe what happened in Oral Roberts happens in game one. I think maybe you get that out of the way a little bit. So I actually like the fact that BYU had a little bit of a shock to the system, had, had a double-digit lead. Oral Roberts comes back, makes it close, kind of blow for blow. and The BYU finds a way to win. So you get the win, but there's still some stuff to work on heading into conference play. So, so again, maybe it's just blue goggle, but I, I, I like that that you have that type of game heading into conference play.
0: Yeah, sure. And there is an element of shock to the system that maybe correlates. Do you remember who BYU played after that tough game at home against Southern Utah? The Houston Cougars. Mm. That was the next game. Mm. So, yeah, maybe it is a hone-in, focus-in Let's uh, get ready for conference play moment with BYU struggling a little bit against Oral Roberts. Our question of the day, let's look at 2019 as a whole. What is the top story within all of BYU sports of 2019? Let's go to Voice of the Nation.
1: This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports
0: Nation. And maybe it's basketball related. At CJ Munker thinks it is. He tweets in Yoli Childs comes back. That's the top headline.
1: Wow. wow. And it was it was a surprise. We all assumed Yoli was was going to move on. What a what a pleasant surprise to have Yoli back for this season and he's been by the way, he has been fantastic since coming back.
0: At Trevor Bakerson says The game where BYU football played the University of Tennessee and beat them in overtime. Okay, that's the top headline. Is BYU winning a game in the Eastern Time Zone? Against an SEC team. Against an SEC team that finished with the winning record. First win against a team in the Eastern Time Zone that finished with the winning record since 1994. It's been 25 years. That was a memorable win.
1: The Rocky Top Revival. Very nice. Coming up tj Hawes, how prepared does he think this byu basketball team is as they begin wcc play
0: plus espn's trevor maddich on his headline for the 2019 byu football season did the cougars improve in his opinion this is byu sports nation
1: byu sports nation is presented by the byu store the official outfitter of byu fans everywhere On Thursday, tune in for a BYU Sports Nation special as we ring in the new year by revealing the BYU Hoops All-Decade team. We look back at a decade of BYU basketball and the players who excelled. That's Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.
0: We already gave you the all-decade football team, so we needed to give basketball their
1: due as well. Absolutely.
0: Live from Studio B with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play, I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jason Shepard. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is ESPN College Football Insider Analyst, former national champion at BYU, Trevor Maddich. Trevor, I hope you had a fantastic Christmas holiday and an early Happy New Year to you.
2: And happy New Year to you guys as well. It's been an amazing holiday.
0: Man, it has tons of football. And, oh, man, the storylines that came out over the weekend and the college football playoff, we'll get to that in just a moment. But let's start with this. One week later, what thoughts do you have now looking back on BYU's loss to Hawaii in the Hawaii Bowl?
2: Man, that was frustrating. I mean, it was exciting to watch. It was so much fun to watch. Uh, and there were so many ups and downs. Unfortunately, the, the downs – mostly came at the very end when the game was on the line. And so credit Hawaii for making the plays. But for BYU fans, (laughs) for all the excitement, it sure ended with a sour taste. What did you
1: think of the play call on third and two for BYU? I was fine
2: with it. Because that Hawaii offense had been shut down by the BYU defense in the second half. But they were heating up. Cole McDonald, the Hawaii quarterback, really struggled in in the third quarter. But he was starting to pick it up again as the fourth quarter rolled along and on third and two, I thought it was a good play to be aggressive and try to win that thing and get a first down rather than just run it and try to run some clock off. And, you know, and they might've gotten the first down running it as well, but I think Hawaii expected them to do that. And it would have been more difficult to get the first down running than it would have been uh, throwing the ball. And it was a safe throw. They just couldn't execute it. But the idea of being aggressive, and calling the best play that they thought they had for that moment to get a first down, pass or run, was the right move. And it turned out to be a pass, but it was still the right call, in my opinion.
0: Trevor Maddich of ESPN with us on BYU Sports Nation. Zach Wilson, the sophomore quarterback, has come under some scrutiny because of another late-game interception and a fumble at the goal line and some critical turnovers. What did you think of Zach Wilson's performance overall in the bowl game this year?
2: I thought it was... Vintage Zach Wilson. I thought he made some fantastic throws. He showed a lot of courage, especially on that helicopter uh, play on the goal line. Now the ball came out. Uh, a lot of BYU fans think it was a touchdown anyway, but even so, just the physical courage of Zach Wilson to go for that play in a bowl game. I mean, that was just, that was fantastic. And, and he had some plays he'd rather have back. And so that's the, the, I think path of a young quarterback. And I don't I don't think any less of Zach Wilson because of the mistakes. I am uh really excited for his future because of the good things they had to build on and he showed a lot of those in this bowl game. Following up on that, Trevor, the coaching
1: staff this entire season and really since they've been here have always talked about every position there's competition and that's the way that's the way it is. Do you expect a true quarterback competition this off season?
2: There should be. There absolutely should be. Not because of Zach Wilson, but because of what you said that every position needs to have a competition. And BYU is in the position of most college football teams that they don't have enough competition at enough positions uh, to really get the very, very best advantage of those kinds of competitions in practice. And for players don't like it because they'd rather not be pushed like that. But I would refer any player that thinks that way to Clemson. One of the keys to Clemson's sustained success over the last several years has been that even the all-americans from the year before that are returning have got to earn their, their starting position again, not just in, in spring and fall practice, but in practice every day of the week. And every player knows that if they outperform the guy in front of them on the depth chart, even during the week in practice, they have a good chance not to just play, but a good chance to earn the starting position at some point. And that's one of the things that makes them better. And BYU, um, you know, the the more positions they have that competition, the better. And they have a kind of a luxury at quarterback with Baylor Romney and Jared Hall, and then the others that will be coming in that will be able to push Zach Wilson, and it will make them all better.
0: Trevor Maddich of ESPN on BYU Sports Nation: The Cougars, for a second consecutive year, finished seven and six. And I know that it's college football and football in general. Teams go through ups and downs. There are peaks and valleys. Whatever other. Uh, cliche terms you want to throw in there. But BYU's swings felt pretty wild. I mean, BYU beats Boise State. They beat USC, a couple of teams that were ranked going into the final college football playoff rankings, yet they have losses to Toledo, USF, and closeouts with uh, kind of a sputtering finish against Hawaii. So how does BYU avoid the wildly crazy swings of inconsistency?
2: Well, they build depth. Build depth. I think that's a big part of it. I think the the Hawaii Bowl was uh, kind of a, a an outlier from the rest of the season. I think that really the 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 thing that frustrates most fans is that after going two and two in that stretch against four Power Five teams, then beating Tennessee, who became an SEC Bowl team, and then USC, a Pac twelve Bowl team, who was ranked at the end of the regular season, as you mentioned, then they lost at Toledo and South Florida. But I really think that a big part of that was that BYU, it just took so much out of them physically to go through that stretch. And I believe no other team in college football opened the season with four consecutive power five opponents. And so BYU stood alone in the, the taxing nature of the first month of their season and what will help them, get over that and not have a bit of a slump after that is to continue to improve depth. But I think the trajectory of the program is such that they will continue to attract more and better recruits that will help them build that depth and that competition at more positions that we've talked about. So with the same 7-6 and six record, do you think BYU improved this season? I think they do. I think they did because you look at the nature of it. I mean, the one of the Power 5 wins uh, last year, well, they beat Arizona and they beat wisconsin right and so those are their power five wins well this year it's tennessee and usc uh and that wisconsin win was magnificent just magnificent the arizona win was good it was good but i would say both the tennessee and usc wins are better than that and then last year they lost to boise state this year they beat boise state now granted boise state had a backup quarterback but so did byu and so it was a fair fight and so I think you can point to signs of, of getting better against the better opponents on their schedule this year.
0: Trevor, if you had to give BYU football a headline for the 2019 season, what would that headline say?
2: <sighs> well, that's a that's a good question. It's a tough one. I would say uh, moving in the right direction, Um that's too long for a headline. Uh, moving in the right direction is fine. That that'll, that'll do it because they 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 did some great things, but they lost some games that they shouldn't have lost. And so you know it was two steps forward, one step back. But I think the two steps forward weren't accidental. You know I think the the signature wins on BYU's schedule, uh, certainly in the month of September, Tennessee and USC both went to overtime, and BYU was the most physical team in both of those overtimes. And I think especially the Tennessee one uh, really tells a story because Tennessee was kind of desperate. You know, they, they needed this BYU win and it was in Knoxville. And at the end of the game, Tennessee seemed to have it won, but BYU fought harder and worked harder and, and made the plays at the end of the game to tie it up and send it to overtime. And then BYU, was the stronger team in overtime. And I think that's, that is, is such a great building block for this program moving forward. And, and that to me kind of is the, the defining part of this season. It, it defined this BYU team, this group of BYU seniors as fighters. I mean, fighters. And there were times when they lost the fight, but I tell you what, they they showed early in the season that that not only were they unafraid of the fight, they relished the fight.
1: Trevor, let's go big picture college football. We had the college football playoff semifinals over the weekend. Two games could not have been more different. Were you surprised by any of the outcomes you saw over this weekend?
2: No, no, not really. I mean, I, I figured that LSU would score points in flurries. Uh, I just didn't realize that it would, you know, so fast. I mean, they, they had a, a full game's worth of points midway through the second quarter, for goodness sake. yeah. But at the same time, Oklahoma's defense was depleted. Um, they had suspensions of a bunch of guys, including their top pass rusher who didn't play at all. Then their, one of their starting safeties was injured. Um, heading into the game, so he didn't play. And then another DB got injured and Joe Burrow went after those replacements in the secondary. And so, but you know, you expected LSU to win that game handily. The Ohio State Clemson game, I expected to be almost too close to call. I thought Ohio State would win and it really came down in my opinion to two mistakes that Ohio State made. I'm not even talking about the the referee's call on what on a, a potential reception fumble scoop and score that they overturned. I'm talking about uh, a targeting on the quarterback which was unnecessary, uh, uh Ohio State safety targeted the quarterback and a roughing the punter penalty that Ohio State committed against Clemson. On both of those, it was either a punt or it was going to be a punt. Uh, and Ohio State would have maintained the momentum. Instead, Clemson got the ball back on both of those, and a few plays later scored touchdowns on both of those, and that's really the difference in the game. And so uh, other than the way it turned out and the reasons it turned out, I thought it would be tight. I thought it would be you know, uh, a good game, and it was hard to tell who might win, and Clemson ended up making fewer mistakes.
0: Trevor, let's finish with this. Who wins the college football national championship between LSU and Clemson, and why?
2: Oh, this is tough. I, it's too early for me to really say right now. I need to dig in a little bit more to those semis. Uh, I lean LSU just because not only do they have a feel of a team in de- of destiny, they, that passing game is just amazing. Uh, and their defense has, has really risen up. Uh, and really the defensive matchup for LSU is a good one against Clemson because they've got a first round draft choice safety in Grant Delpit. A first round future, you know, future first round draft choice, Derek Stingley, cornerback. Uh, the other corner, Christian Fulton, is playing really well, and the front seven is really playing well. So uh, I lean LSU, but call me back a day before the game, and uh, we'll revisit it.
0: <laughs> all right. Trevor, great stuff. Uh, happy New Year to you again. Enjoy the College Football National Championship and uh, all of those New Year's Day games. Thanks.
2: Yeah, thanks, guys. And don't worry, that Hawaii sunburn will fade sometime before February. (laughs)
1: Thanks, Trevor. Coming up, the dunking. T.J. Haas joins us in Studio B. Because it's become a regular thing. He's going to be a dunk champion. And which Cougars
0: have found their way to the NFL postseason? We'll recap it all. How about a first-round bye, Jason? Thank you so much, Miami. This is BYU Sports
1: Nation. While the BYU women's hoops team is at Pepperdine today, the conference home opener is against Gonzaga on Thursday at the Marriott Center. You can watch all the action on BYU TV, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Oh, I'll be there. And so will you, Jason. I'll be there.
0: So will you. And we're here today. Happy Monday. Let's keep it rolling, BYU Sports Nation, with
1: the latest edition of The Whip. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Football. Tata and Matt Bushman announcing he will stay at BYU and return for his senior season. Yes. Also, yeah, absolutely, it's huge for the BYU offense. Also, Tyson Williams says he will forego a sixth season and will declare for the NFL draft. Cougars in the
0: NFL. Fred Warner and the San Francisco 49ers beat Ziggy Ansah and the Seattle Seahawks 26-21. They clinched the NFC West and the number one seed in the NFC, the Seahawks earned the five-seed in the playoffs. Taysom Hill had two carries for four yards, a reception for 45 yards, and a touchdown in a 42-10 Saints win over the Carolina
1: Panthers. The Saints are the number three seed in the NFC playoffs. Kyle Van Vannoy had six tackles for the New England Patriots in a 27-24 loss to the Miami Dolphins. Thank you, Miami. Patriots now the three-seed, which means that my Kansas City Chiefs are the number two-seed and Daniel Sorensen, in that game against the L.A. Chargers, had five tackles, a pass deflection, and an interception. While on the other side of the ball, Michael Davis had two tackles, two pass deflections, and an interception. As my Chiefs beat the Chargers 31-21. Also, Sione Takitaki had one tackle in a 33-23 Browns loss to your Spencer Linton Cincinnati Bengals. 2-14 men's basketball.
0: BYU holds off Oral Roberts on Saturday night, 79-73. They pass the oral exam, Jason. Oh, boy. Jake Toulson hit some clutch shots down the stretch. He finished with 22 points, 8 to 6, 6 rebounds. Yoli Childs had 23 points on 10 of 14 shooting. He passes Mark Bigelow to enter the top 10 all-time scoring list to BYU. And T.J. Haas had another dunk. And it's a superlative <laughs> game. We're going to ask him about that in just a few minutes. Cougars open up the West Coast Conference on January 4th against Loyola Marymount in Provo.
1: Women's basketball beat LMU 59-44 in the WCC opener on Saturday. Saturday, no women's hoops. Coach uh, Jeff Jenkins, he's going for win number 400 today on the road at Pepperdine. That's a game you can watch on the WCC network. Game time's at 5 Eastern two Pacific. Oh, the Paisley. <laughs> volleyball. <laughs> Three members of the 2019 BYU women's volleyball
0: team, recognized as VolleyballMag.com All-Americans. Senior libero Mary Lake and senior outside hitter McKenna Miller named to the third team, while freshman setter Whitney Bauer named All-America Honorable Mention. Lake, by the way, now a three-time All-American. So good. Coming up, what is the top BYU story of 2019? And as promised, T.J. Haas on his new dunk trend and why this BYU team is ready for the best of the West Coast Conference. This is BYU Sports Nation.
1: BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Men's Hoops beginning West Coast Conference play this Saturday against LMU on BYU TV and BYU Radio. I will have radio pregame coverage beginning at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific. Game tips at 9 Eastern, again, on both BYU TV and BYU Radio.
0: And to help us tip off the push to West Coast <laughs> Conference basketball is T.J. Haas, BYU senior guard in Studio B, T.J uh merry christmas i know that's belated and an early happy new year to you
3: thank you to you guys as well
0: you've got big things happening in your life um like about a month away you are going to welcome a son into the world how how you feeling about the preparation of this all
3: <laughs> i'm a little nervous you guys uh yeah it's a big change in our lives um but i, I think we're ready it's gonna be it's gonna be a blast we're both pretty excited
1: I don't know if if you're like me, our first child was also a boy. And I remember buying so much sports stuff before, like sports stuff of all my teams. So as soon as, as he was ready to be dressed in regular clothes, he was outfitted in all of my favorite
3: teams. Are, are you the same? Yeah, I'm trying to, I, I keep, um, if you look at my history, I'm always looking up shoes. Mm-hmm. For the baby the Jordans. Guys. Absolutely. Yeah, the baby Jays. I know, and I'm trying to match them as well, get my own shoes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, that's, that's been a lot lately. the
0: important things lined up, yeah, right?
3: Absolutely.
0: Also, uh, TJ Haas, the dunker has become a thing lately. TJ, is, uh, is this part of the transitioning into fatherhood
3: thing? <laughs> Maybe, I'm getting a little extra power. <laughs> no, I, I don't know, yeah, I've got a, a few breakaways and i have just gone for it. So it's your Peter Pan moments That's where
0: y- you thought of your son and you had the ability to fly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Look, so take me. So you have some of these breakaways. When do you decide to dunk? Because obviously you can lay it up. It's, a, you know, what, what's the decision process? Have you already made your mind by the time you have the ball in your hand?
3: Uh yeah, it's it's right when I get it. If you're gonna dunk, you have to you have to go for it. Got to commit. Can't, yeah, you have, you have to commit. So yeah, it's pretty much right when you get it, you got to go for it. Okay, but
0: the irony
3: of doing it against Weber State, <laughs> I think the same
0: basket, almost the same way that your dad did it against Weber State way back when, like. That was pretty crazy, was it not?
3: And I wish I would have reacted like him, too. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, Your reaction was good. Your, his, his, his was uh, pretty
3: 80s, wasn't it? Uh, very yeah.
1: animated. Yes. So we mentioned that conference play is coming up. So let's look back on non-conference. We were talking about just how impressed we've been with this team. You guys wrap up non-conference play. A tough schedule at 11-4. How would you evaluate
3: the team's non-conference? Yeah, you know, I think it's been it's been great for us, and you know, Coach Pope said it since the beginning. We're trying to get better every single day. Um, you know, we had we had a few games where you know we weren't at our best, um, but you know, I, I really believe that we've gotten better every single day. We've learned from you know our not so great days, and uh, I think we're building on our great days. And I'm I'm really excited about where we're at right now and um, heading into conference play. I feel like. Our team has great chemistry right now. We feel good. Um, we're getting better every day. We're working hard. And um, I think we're all pretty excited about, you know, what this team can accomplish.
0: What'd you learn from the Oral Roberts game specifically? Because I kind of feel like that had uh, a feel of the Southern Utah game where it just things weren't exactly going right, but then... Some big shots were made by the seniors down the stretch, and you're able to hold them off. So what did you learn from that game?
3: Yeah, you know, I think it, it, it those games are so great for us because, you know, we're not shooting the ball fantastic. Um, we're not making shots that, you know, we normally make. Um, but I felt like we were locked in defensively, and um, we're playing together defensively. And I think those games really teach us that... Um, we can win games. We're not, you know, just solely relying on our shooting. We can win games uh, on the defensive end.
1: Well, let's let's take that one step
3: further. So, what you learned in that
1: game? What have you learned about this team through the first fifteen games?
3: Um, you know, I, I feel like we we've learned so much and and we've grown so much. It's been um, it's been different. We've had guys sitting on the bench. You know, Yoli coming back. It's it's been it's been kind of a wild season. But I, I feel like this team just cares about winning. And uh, and that's a huge deal when you have when you have a lot of talented players, a lot of guys that can, you know, do a lot of things on the court Uh, and when your number one objective is just to win games, you know, magic really happens. And uh, I I feel like all our guys, we, we just care about winning and, you know, all that all that other stuff, you know, falls into place when when you just care about winning.
0: Okay, with the resume of uh, a win at Houston, you hit that buzzer beater. Then you beat Virginia Tech in Hawaii, and that's a good resume builder. You beat Utah State, and they're doing some fantastic things with wins against Florida and LSU. How has what BYU has accomplished in the non-conference shaped your expectations for the West Coast Conference?
3: Yeah, you know, uh, we, we've had some great wins uh, in the preseason, but but really conference, it's a different ball ballgame. It, it, it's a whole different season. We're starting a new season and every game is tough in conference play no matter who you're playing whether it's at the bottom of the league or or the top of the league every game is hard whether you're home or on the road every game's a challenge and so um you know coach pope talks about this skill that you have where you know guys bring it every single game every single day no matter who you're playing um, and I feel like we're building and developing that skill, and I think that's gonna that's gonna do huge things for us in conference.
0: Why is it about conference that every game is tough? Because it's a thing. Why Why is that?
3: I don't know. You know, you, you've had you've had 15 games or whatever it is, and they they know every play that you guys have. Uh, they know your tendencies. Uh, they have you scouted extremely well. Um, but yeah, they're just hard games, and so you have to you have to be ready to go and locked in for for every single game. The last
1: three weeks, in terms of the number of games you played, is different from how the season started. You guys got into a nice rhythm of of two games a week and and now you 've played three games in three weeks is that a Is that a positive thing? Is that a negative thing? I guess maybe how do you make that a positive thing heading into conference play
3: yeah you know it's just it's something it 's a good opportunity for us to you know get in the gym and keep getting better, um, keep having good practices and and like I said, you have that skill you got to bring it every single day and so um, and I think we're doing that.
0: What's the biggest difference about this team compared to every other team that you've played on at BYU?
3: Um, you know, I, I think what I was saying earlier about you know just having that mentality of just winning basketball games—that's that's that's all we care about. Um, you know, I think I think that really can change a team, and um, I, I just feel like with everything that's happened this year, guys are are like sincerely happy for other guys when when things happen it 's like i 'm so happy you hit that shot like <laughs> truly i 'm so happy for you and um, and that that just makes everything so fun and i I, I really am I'm enjoying this senior year so much, and I'm trying to just, you know, soak it all in and hold on to it because, you know, it's going super fast. So I'm trying to just enjoy every moment.
0: The dunking TJ Haas bringing it to Studio B. It's great to catch up with you, man. Thank you. It's good to be here, guys. To give you some BoA Sports Nation karma to open up West Coast Conference play against LMU. Take it, do with it what you will, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And I guess for uh, the growing family as well. Yes,
1: absolutely. Thank you. Guys. Thanks, TJ. Coming up, BYU loses a legend. A very special rise and shout out.
0: And what is your headline for all of BYU athletics in the year 2019? The story of the year. This is BYU Sports Nation. We are the Cleggs. And we own a therapeutic riding facility. We try to make someone that's broken and help them heal personally so they can have a better life. With Desert First, they're about the people.
3: And they always
2: believed in us, no matter what. 20-something years, we've never had a permanent home. This will be our forever home.
3: Sorry. So we can leave a legacy. My name is Tamara Tanner Clegg. My why is changing people's lives. Living at TRIO
1: is not about retirement. It's about fun.
3: It was so different from everything we'd been taught to expect about senior living.
2: I was delighted when we came and they had these raised gardens.
3: Just love it here. I wish more people knew about Trio.
1: Learn more at btrio.com.
2: Whether it's for you or for them. For you or for them. For you. Whoa, what are you doing? Or for them. You can find it here.
1: BYU Food to Go's convenient location at 2191 North Canyon Road in Provo makes bringing popular BYU foods to your next event easy. Everything's ready when you need it at the drive and load pickup. You drive in and they load no matter the weather. And stop in the on-site creamery for great BYU chocolate milk and ice cream. BYU Food to Go, bringing campus to your table.
2: Call for details, 801-422-5001. This segment of BYU Sports Nation presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event.
0: Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. You can always subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcasts.
1: The show always on demand anytime you'd like it via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps.
0: It is December 30th, 2019. As the year comes to an end, it's time now to address the top story within BYU athletics for 2019. Presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Jason,
1: you're up first. What's your headliner top story of 2019? Look, um... Because it's not football or basketball, it's probably not going to get the same attention, but I'm going with men's cross-country winning the national championship. But doesn't it deserve it, more attention? It absolutely deserves more attention. What head coach Ed Eyestone and his team did to win the national championship was remarkable. It was the first national championship in program history, and let's also not forget the fact that the women took second place and were oh so close to also winning it all. So I, I'm going to give it to, to men's and women's cross country, the men winning the national championship, the women taking second. That was a massive accomplishment.
0: Well deserved. Okay, my story of the year of 2019 for BYO Athletics is the men's basketball coaching change, Jason, and everything that has happened because of that. In April, Mark Pope is announced as the new head coach. Doesn't happen often. Filling in huge shoes. For head coach Dave Rose, who left uh, an incredible, an incredible legacy behind him, but think about what happened because of hiring Mark Pope. Yoli Childs is back. Jake Toulson comes to BYU brings new energy, and now BYU has an NCAA tournament at-large resume at this point for the first time in almost five years. Men's basketball change. It's huge, huge stories. Alright, question of the day. What's the top story in BYU sports for 2019? Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort at CL underscore living says the best thing about 2019 is that 2020 is coming. Perfect blue goggle vision has undefeated in everything so far next year. Hashtag and It's always next year.
1: Yeah, our, uh, our rise And shout-out, Spencer, uh, goes to a a
0: legend. Yes, uh, a man that I grew up watching succeed at BYU basketball, Liddell Anderson. He passed away recently, coached the Cougars from 1983 to 1989, 114 wins at BYU. Also led the Cougars with three NCAA tournament appearances. It was the Liddell and Lavelle era in the late 80s. It was a great time. He passed away at the age of 90. Got BYU was ranked as uh, high as number three in the AP poll in the late 80s.
1: Yeah, head coach Mark Pope tweeted out uh, about his passing. He says he coached my father-in-law, Lynn Archibald, at Utah State. He led BYU to as high as a number three ranking in the AP. More importantly, he was beloved by his players and was an extraordinary human being. All of BYU Nation mourns his passing.
0: Yes, our thoughts and prayers with the Anderson family. Great coach, great man. Our thanks to today's guests, Trevor Maddich and TJ
1: Haas. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUSN. For Jason, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Pete Hansen. Go Cougs!